Before we start, I'd like to thank everyone for supporting this community by attending the Dharma Talks and also for your financial support. And please continue to do both if you can. As we go along, we do it together as a community, a Sangha. The title of the talk is Don't Maintain. So the idea there is, you've heard me say a few times, just observe. If you observe, everything is fluctuating and changing so much that if you try to maintain something, live up to a certain standard or a rule or a law, even the precepts are to be observed, not to be maintained. If you maintain it, everything crystallizes into something that has no oxygen, doesn't breathe, doesn't move with everything else that is also dependently risen. It may look like some things are static, but they are not. But if we try to live up to a standard, maintain some kind of ideal, some kind of idealism of how this should be, then even the practice, the sitting meditation, shikantaza, uh, actually can become solidified in a way where there's no openness, you're maintaining a state. You may have had this experience or talk to others who, when they meditate a lot, feel like they finally are settled down and are, are in a serene, stable situation all the time. If this is happening, I'm not saying this is incorrect. It may last for years, but it will come apart because the, you've actually found a way station. You found a place to just turn off and park and just sit there in that state of mind. Consciousness always fine. I don't believe anything I say. When I say that, I don't mean that you shouldn't consider it. But you don't have to accept this. You should look at it yourself with an open hand. Look at what this is. And you cannot look at what, what this is if you're maintaining something. So returning to Shikantaza is, uh, it won't particularly feel like you're getting anywhere. This is why Suzuki Roshi back in the 60s uh, taught by uh, using the idea of a uh, Zen mind or heart mind, beginner's mind, it always a beginner. We never get anywhere. Difficult. That's how the ego will feel as it is sl slowly um, taken away its fuel of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure and all of the other materialistic uh, expressions. So, however, it's very important to ret uh, re return to, excuse me, return to that. And when we do return, it, it, may not, uh, it may not feel like we're getting back to the same place. It may have a different shape to it, a different odor, may have a different texture to it. And this is, seems to be the way, excuse me, the way we slowly get the feeling that Everything is doesn't have a, a steadiness to it that we thought it would have as we progress on the path. When I say progress, I'm just saying time is going by. You're not necessarily improving. So return to it. Um, just just earlier when I was talking to uh, I, think I was talking to Susan about about how to just don't maintain shikantaza, and when you feel uh, disturbed or antsy or Restless, get up. This is not always taught this way. I wasn't taught this way, but this is how it looks to me now. Get up, move around, go get some water, go out onto the lawn, unless the weather's bad. Look out to the window, and it's as if you'd never, you're never going to go back to sitting. So don't maintain anything. Just go and receive. If you, if the practice on the cushion is getting too frustrating or too challenging, it's probably because you're getting very close to that uh, safe deposit, safe deposit box of ego, which is your ideas, your opinions, your cherished whatevers. And when that's, when chicken Tyler starts to get close to that, uh, the ego starts to uh, talk to the body, wiggle around, don't sit here. It's, it's the, the uh, getting close, too close to the fire here. And what I would say, then don't fight with that. Don't fight with anything, but return eventually it, the, the damn thing just wears out. 
the self-centeredness. No, eventually you get where you still suffer. There's still pain coming and going, but but you're done with fighting with everything. You might feel some sadness, but no more. Terrible things can happen, and you will be able to receive those uh, without but bloodshed. You know what I'm talking about. You have no, you do not have any say so about what happens in your life. If you think you do, then go ahead, live that way. Try to get stuff, try to keep stuff, try to control stuff. It's going to be very disappointing, like it says on my cup that was gifted to me by someone who's been there. Disappointment awakes. It's humorous because it does along with a lot of other things around the corner, including death comes without warning. This will come, this so-called manifestation that we believe is so real, that, excuse me, that is completely unreal, is an illusion, is coming to an end. What doesn't come to an end? That which has not begun, and that which has not begun is your true nature. I'm not asking you to believe me, I'm saying, Reflect on it a little bit and consider it. Consider the nature of what seems to be reality in the form of coming and going right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death, pain and pleasure, and all the other dualities. Consider it. Don't maintain. If you maintain, and you can do some maintenance happening there, but it, it that that is the kind of energy that the that part of the consciousness we call narcissism or ego or that identity area that grasps at a self and grasps grasps at an other and keeps that polarity that seesaw teeter-totter going right and wrong should be shouldn't be if you do nothing with it but you just observe but you don't what i'm getting to there you don't have to maintain some kind of a of, of an observer you can actually sit down, hold still, look at the wall, and watch what comes and goes. You might be able to do that for 20 minutes without getting antsy. And you might be able to just receive or observe the antsiness for a little while. But if it gets, if it's too um, challenging or too irritating or just frustrating, get up. I'm fight with it. Get up, go do something else for a short while, come back. This is why the the block sitting is something that I kind of came up with a while back. Sit down, strike the gong, sit there for four hours. And the awareness will notice how, how if you're listening to what I'm saying, you don't have to maintain that. You just have to begin and four hours later end, and then watch the movement. And if you observe, you the body-mind are not separate. They just look like it. And when they look like it, we tend to think we have control of things. But when you see that your body and your awareness or, or and your mind are not separate things then uh, then it then the, the the movement is seen more precisely in terms of start the motion start the bell and start the observance of the motion and then watch how part of the motion happens in the mind stream and then when we get antsy which is a uh, the word uh, susan used is we all know what that means we just Ants in our pants. We want to get up and go do something else. We're tired of just sitting here. We don't care how much the Buddha or anybody else said we should do this. We're not. We don't want to do it. And so you should be very respectful of that of the mind when that kind of thing comes up. That doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're caving in. You're you're a failure. I'm telling you, saying to you, suggesting to you that you could watch the movement in the mind, even if it is antsy. It's still awareness. And that and watch what the antsiness does when you get up and go uh, over to the bookshelf and look through the titles that are there or perhaps um, thumb through a notebook or or maybe a book you're reading or the newspaper if you happen to still do that type of thing um, i wouldn't recommend going on TikTok because that's very habit forming you you probably will miss your four hour gong <laughs> uh, maybe not Maybe you're able to maintain your sobriety long enough that you, you don't get uh, addicted to TikTok. 
So that all of that being said, it's still about you, the way Navid uh, works with this, the way uh, Eric or Augie or anyone works with this, the way I work with it, it's going to show up differently and it's going to change and, and fluctuate. Watch the movement. If you, if, you, if you don't necessarily go into some kind of macho controlling thing, things you've got to get to some kind of state of mind, uh, and then you get a chance to really appreciate and see what the movement is, what is actually happening there in a deep way. And again, what I'm saying here might might be workable for everyone or maybe 32% of everyone. There might be some people that really do need to put some emphasis on holding still. They might need to go longer when they feel nervous or upset or antsy. They may need to sit a little bit longer in, into that than get up. They might... You're, you'll know your own dynamic. You'll know whether it might be good to sit here for three or four more minutes before you react to that because it will feel like a reaction and reactions to things all, always uh, tend to feed uh, ego uh, in the way ego manifests failure. Oh, you're not going to be able to do this. You, can you can't really get this. And then we start to feel that little, that the opposite of pride, which is what? Shame. We start to feel ashamed that we can't quite get it. We're not quite good enough. Ego will, do, ego will do anything to keep on existing. It will even chew on negativity. It might chew on negativity your whole life. With some people with no mind training, that's how they live. They just see how they're a failure. So don't maintain, but return. Don't maintain, but allow the movement. Allow yourself to get up. Allow yourself maybe to stretch just without even getting off the cushion. If you just lay back or wiggle around a little bit and then return to the stillness, return to the silence and just observe. That might last for three minutes or two minutes and you might be antsy again. Don't cover that up with some kind of a judgment. Of, I can't do this or some kind of a judgment. I have to move. No, it's not like I have to move. Just move. No comment. Just move. Be genuine. Just be genuine. When I train very small children to meditate, quite, and I've told this story before, but I sometimes say, uh, it depends on the age, but if they're four or five or six, seven, maybe, um, someone in that area, I strike the gong and I say, now when you hear the gong, then you sit very still. And I might even use the word symmetrical, sit very still. Hold your hands like so, or put them on your knees. I might tell them all at a particular time. I might not give them too much of a choice. I might just say, put your hands on your knees. Sit like this, very still. And then I show them when the gong rings. And then when the, and sit there as still as you can, with your, and your eyes are open, still, just sit very still and watch what continues to move. Children understand that immediately. And so sit very still. And uh, and then when you hear the gong, uh, two more gongs, then you can move around. Then you can, and I actually demonstrate, then you can move around. I don't get up and run around like they do, but I move around, I relax, I look around like that. And so then you can do that. And when you hear the gong again, back. it's amazing how well they can do that. It's just, uh, it's been a couple years since I've done that before COVID, COVID, I guess it was. But you start with the gong and... They all sit, but you don't do it for longer than about a minute. So you don't, you don't over, you're not trying to train force train them. You're just trying to give them an experience of stillness. That's all they need. A seven-year-old meditating for a minute and sitting still is like an adult doing that for an hour, just because of the nature of being young. So <laughs> the part the part that I'm is, I'm quite entertained by, and others were also other adults in the room uh, that were observing what was happening, is struck the bell. They all sat still. Ding ding, struck the bell again, and they were each one was different, but they got up, ran around, chased each other. It was just a, they just went nuts, which is what adults do, but they do that in their mind. And these children were just because they know the body mind are not two different things. So they are their bodies. I'm sure you've noticed if you have children or if you've been one. Unlikely, but there might be some possible possibility of people out there having, having been children. 
So you get up and but when you when I struck the gong, I mean, it was like uh, uh, flies on flypaper. It was just zip. They were all back in their seats, and you couldn't have asked if you'd have been in a Zen monastery. You couldn't have asked for more well-trained monks, but they only had to sit still for one minute, and then they all came back and were sitting, just very almost militant, but not quite. They were just children. So it, it told me quite a bit about what was happening there with them. And uh, they seemed to be both really interested in it and uh, entertained by that. So just return, don't maintain. And if you don't set up too high of a standard for yourself, a few minutes, maintain a few minutes. That's not much. That's not even maintaining that you're just going to sit still for 10 minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe an hour, but it would be different with each person. I, I have to interact with someone for a while to get an idea how they're working with the meditation. If they've been meditating for years, maybe doing a completely different form. Maybe they've only been doing this form the way I teach Shikantaza for a few months, then how I might, what I might recommend to them, if depending on what kind of challenges they're having, having could be very, very specific. Sometimes I respond to people in a way that I, I'm listening to it at the same time. That's interesting that I would say that. And it's like, I don't really know, I don't have a, a why, but something about the way that I'm interacting with that particular student tells me that uh, they should do something different, maybe even close their eyes. So that's happened uh, on many occasions. Are there some questions? In here, yes, sir. Jesus, is thinking there's any relative result from meditation and misunderstanding? No, uh, thinking there's, there's going to be results. If you just sit down and hold still over a period of time, there's going to be results. It's just that you don't know exactly what they're going to be, and sometimes the results that show up are the things you've been covering up for most of your life are starting to crawl up the sides of the well and it might, might not look too inviting. And also another person, because of their dynamic, they could start to feel very, very calm and just like, oh my gosh, what have I run into here? This is just wonderful. I've never felt this at ease or at peace. It probably won't last, but it might last for quite a while. And another person uh, um, might have the the anxiety situation or the or the antsiness could come up a person who might have thought that they were able to do just about anything they willed themselves to do but if they try to do this doing nothing sit still and watch they might find that all the antsiness that was there is showing up so more use of mind it doesn't look to me like sitting results in serenity but it feels like less spinning to an yes. extent Absolutely, and, and, and relative, but it's a, it's a relative. If you're if you sit down, you just kind, you're kind of reconditioning yourself to to just sit still, but you're not making a demand on it. You're actually you're aware of also the movements of the having some anxiety or having some speediness in the mind. You just watch that. But over time, if you do enough of it, and you've done years and years of meditation, so uh, it's it's not like the goal of meditation. It's not like something you're kind of getting to it can very likely show up as as uh, results. But there are some of those. It's just that if we go after that and grasp at that and try to maintain that, that feeling of um, steadiness or of calmness, or uh, that's when we get into spiritual materialism and fixation and trying to maintain a state that, that uh, is, it's not what is being taught here. So what is the path or what is receiving when there's less sitting and more spinniness? Is it a misunderstanding to try to sit more? To... No, no, of course not. But it's it's different with each. It's going to be different with each person. Everyone's wiring is so it's, it's bizarre how much contrast there is between eight or 10 people, all the different interactions and ways of understanding. This is one of the reasons we uh, we uh, I promote or recommend that we study the Dharma together, not just read a book on your own, so interact with others around that study, then you really realize how many different ways there are of understanding that some seem to be very close to what was being taught and others seem to be, it's like people, I'm including myself in this, is how we don't really understand what we're studying. 
This has been my experience for years and years ago when I was studying back in the 60s and the 70s, uh, how hard it was for me intellectually to understand what this is, which of course makes you feel like you don't get it or else you might think, well, I'm getting it, but I'm getting it in a different way than other people. All kinds of things happen in the mind stream. More? As I've said before, I'm a slow, slow learner. I can learn. It just takes me quite a while. A lot of repetition doesn't feel particularly comfortable if you're if you if you kind of compare yourself to others and see how quick every, everyone else catches on to things. You catch on to things very quickly. Uh, too bad, because when you do that, we close down on it. So it's not wrong. A lot of the world, a lot of things in the world, in materialism. And the mundane path is about getting it very quick and even one of the definitions of high intelligence is someone who thinks very fast. But it's uh, as far as the, the spiritual path, that might be a hindrance. Maybe, not always. Also could be very helpful. There again, dependent origination, causes and conditions are all over the place. More? Yeah. Yeah, Brian. In the beginning, you used the word static when you were talking about how things are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. How do we work with the teachings that include the word is, like as it is, or one is Buddha? It seems to be very static. This, um, nothing else, uh, empty of other. So empty of other, the other would be some kind of fluctuation or change. So it's empty of that. So what is being said is that the illusion that things are moving uh, is uh, is what is seen uh, as it is. So as it is, the as it isness is there. But everything is fluctuating in, in that situation. It's like the sky is as it is. But the clouds are going crazy. They're going here, they're going there. There's birds flying, and there's whatever other things are. Rainbows, ducks. Those, those are birds. So it's like the movement is there, but we, because we see they see as it is we see that then we see that that which moves it's like that as it is is like the projection screen if you go to a movie it's just before the movie starts there's just that screen and then all of these images come on there and someone who sees what as it is is pointing to not only sees the ducks flying or the the uh the the, the clouds moving but also sees that there, nothing is happening in reality nothing is happening what is happening is the illusion, and we are entrained by it. We're we're hooked by it. We're we're caught into right. You know, should I want that? I don't want that. I want this, but I want that. I should that shouldn't be happening. And I could go on and make up all kinds of stories, but I think you see what I'm saying. We get hooked on the otherness and on on the rotation between success and failure, right and wrong, up and down. The movement looks so tasty. We want some of that, or else we repelled by it we have to get away from that we have to stop that it's too painful and when you hear the teaching in the midst of that kind of activity as it is then then you can see the utter when i say utter uh, it's close to utra is a sanskrit for no farther you know that utra uh utra means that there isn't anything any further there isn't any understanding that is any deeper more profound than what this and what is it as it is it's complete stillness, complete silence in the midst of the sound and the chaos of movement. So it's helping us to see uh, that kind of teaching helps us to see the, the movement, the chaos, the grasping, the rejecting. And we don't have to give up on any of that. That's a different kind of mind training. It's more about don't eat anything after noon and, and don't have any kind of a be celibate. Don't have any kind of a fun. Well, that's fun for most people. And don't, but don't do anything that instead be very, you know, maintain. And I'm saying that's kind of what I'm saying, but I don't maintain so that you can actually see the, the karma that is arising in your mind stream and in your life stream as movement. And then there's a natural kind of discipline that just doesn't buy into that. It sees that it's an illusion. It doesn't mean that it doesn't taste good. It doesn't mean that it isn't distasteful. But it sees that it's unreal. Am I getting close to what you're asking about? Do you have more? 
they're kind of um, maybe both. Um, something I've struggled with for a while. It seems in my relative thinking that it's very tied up with identity, and that identity is something that we, I call it, is not real. So it just doesn't. It's sometimes I think about when you say, "I tell you not to do something that I know you can't not do," just to direct your attention to it. So I wonder if it's like that. But then I also feel like it's kind of a trap. Like if we use this language just as a way of talking about it, it kind of frames it in a static way. It does. It's just a struggle. I agree. It is. And this is why when we're talking about it this way, we get to the point where you say, this is, this is impossible. And that's basically what you're describing because it's so incredibly magnetic and magnetizing to get us into it. And yet we, we have no say so about it. So it's a, it's, it, looks possible because we're going to train our minds and we're going to see clearly and we're no longer do, going to uh, cause harm. We're going to be able to, to do good and we'll be able to be with all things. But it's a total failure. Disappointment awaits. I was going to reach for the cup, but then I remember, remembered what it said. So it just, it, it does. And something about that teaching, that understanding that life is suffering, great, great, profound difficulty. If we look around the world, it's just horrible what's going on. But it is a landslide that started back in beginningless time. And there's only a few people. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about some kind of chosen few. That's bull. Uh, but but there's there's only a few people that have an interest, have the karma, have the, the, the insight to be able to see. We might want to just stop pushing and pulling and shutting down on everything and just see what this is. See what the world is in here. Excuse me. That's why it's called a spiritual path. It's very, very difficult to do this. And the world, including other in our sangha, even in the form of other monks or other practitioners, are pulling it this way, or or possibly our our spouse or our other relationships that that you know don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, have no interest in that, and we have to be respectful of that, and we have to continue to what return return to. Not maintain it, but return to the teacher, the teaching, the community, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Return to the wall. Return to the wall until there isn't anything but the wall everywhere. It doesn't mean you're you're bored. It means everywhere you look, you see your mind. You know. You know. Uh, sometimes it has been said the boundary between meditation and post meditation it just goes away. That doesn't mean you're in some kind of fancy, weird, non-dual state of samadhi. I get irritated when I hear that crap because it's not it's not the idea of non-duality. It's seeing that the actual duality is the non-duality. So the very pulling at you this way and pushing at you this way, this is seen to be uh, happening in a space that where nothing is happening, the sky, and everything is chaotic, the clouds, and you don't separate the two anymore. It's come to an end. At the same time, you're able to receive the chaos, no more war. Don't fight with anything. Don't agree with anything. Don't ignore anything. You're just present. You might be able to speak about it, and you might not. And even if you can speak about it, there are people who will not understand, but will want to hear more. And then they'll not understand that, and they'll want to hear more anyway. So and then it just keeps going like that. It's quite frustrating. Not for me, of course. It seems like in our relative or mundane life, there are some things that it would be good to maintain, like keeping a job or doing the laundry so we have clean clothes. Yes, what's your question? I hear you. Is there any area in that realm where we can contemplate or bring in the teaching of don't maintain? So with a job, just go to work every day. Return to work. Don't stay there because you're afraid you won't go to work the next day. You know what I mean. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't have time clocks. I know I worked at a factory for 13 years, punching a time clock, and I did not like it. But I needed to make money and had children. More? I guess I'm wondering if this teaching is meant more for our practice 
than our regular life. Not everything. Now, there are some things that you will you will continue to eat. You'll continue to go to sleep. You might have trouble with that. There might be all kinds of medical whatever going on. What we're talking about here is basically mind training, which has to do with the body, because the body and mind are separated, but they're fundamentally not separate. This is what shows up with children. This is why instead of just thinking in circles, they run in circles. Whereas adults, they're not moving much, but their mind is going quite often looking for that, stopping this, getting that ready for that, stopping, going to start, and so on. So it is about awareness mainly and the way we practice that is to make sure we spend a lot of time sharpening that awareness sharpening that blade by sitting down holding still and observing awareness observing what comes and go in the goes in the mind until that which is uh that which is being um, that which is being observed thoughts or emotions or feeling they're like clouds is not separate from that which is observing which is the sky the observer is just who you are, your identity, if you have anything at all, is just a, it's just a big, vast expanse. It has no boundaries. But if you're tied into the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings and the judgments and the criticism and the passion, aggression, ignorance, you just go from lifetime to lifetime looking for happiness. And, and you're already happy. You just avoid it. That kind of happiness may not be, the, you know, tickling your nerve endings necessarily, but it's, uh, it's a, a kind of uh, understanding that goes beyond the pushing and the pulling, the grasping and rejecting, the desire for something to appear, the desire for something to go away. So. How do we see when we are believing our thoughts so you you see that you're believing your thoughts you can see that thoughts are rising and you can see that you're clamping on and buying into that or you're you're adding more thoughts on top of the thoughts you're making laminations of thoughts you're further away from the very thing you began thinking about which could have been uh the neighbor's loud lawnmower might have gone into all kinds of things about that what you should do about it we should call, call the police and no, I'm just using that as a simple example, but could be any number of things. Sit as much as you can. Uh, the whole body-mind complex, as much as you can, can sit and hold still so you can get used to seeing the way the mind keeps cranking things up. I want this. I don't want that. That shouldn't happen. This shouldn't happen. Uh, that person's to blame. I'm not to blame, or I am the blame. I need to stop. I'm a bad person, more com more commentary, elaborations on everything. And so sitting practice of meditation returns you to the fundamental situation over and over again. Just like the children hear the bell, they come back to the seat. That's how it works. That is the Buddha, even in a small child, just Buddha. It doesn't mean that there's anything being maintained there. If you really see it, you could, you could just sit there for a while. But time would not, as we commonly measure it, would not necessarily be going by. Earlier, I think you said, don't comment on anything, yes. just be genuine. Yes. How is commenting on something not being genuine? Being genuine is you have eyes. Do eyes produce anything? You know, we have a nose. Does a nose produce? Well, we know about a couple of things, but we're saying it basically smells or receives yeah, all kinds of things. Humidity, fragrance, same thing with the tongue, same thing with the fingertips, same thing with our whole body. And the mind also is receiving in that way, unless we're producing or generating some kind of thoughts out of being afraid or being grasping or rejecting tied into passion, aggression, and ignorance. So genuineness would be you're just here, you're, you're present. You're not adding on a bunch of ideas about things. So you're not, you haven't shut off your, all of your senses. So you're, 
you hear, you feel, and you see, and you, you hear, you taste, you smell, and you're, you're just present. And even the mind is just with all of those senses. It's not particularly producing thoughts out of, outside of something occurs. You might hear a sound outside the building and think, oh, that, that sounds like this or like that. I'm like somebody walking down the sidewalk. No elaborations. Might not go in any further even to speculate on who it is. Or you might. But just present. Someone walks in the room. There's no additional chatter about who they are, what they should, how, what, what they're wearing, uh, how they're acting, what they said to you yesterday. It's just, just present. Genuine presence. Without uh, elaboration on it. That doesn't mean that if someone says to you, how, how are you doing today? Or how is your, do you still have a toothache? I know you had a toothache yesterday. And then you would respond to that. Yes, it's, thank you. It's, uh, it's gone away. Or I got to the dentist or something like that. So it'd be very, very simple and direct. Like it says in the Zen tradition, uh, before awakening, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after Enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So nothing actually occurs. Occurrence doesn't ha happen in the ultimate uh, nature. It happens uh, in the relative one, which is relatively true, but ultimately untrue. And we are endeavoring to, you could say, make a transition between the grasping, fighting, passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear that, is, that holds sway in the relative world of all around us on CNN and everything else we can see in our neighborhoods or across the kitchen table or all of that. A lot of useless warfare. You could say useless because it just it does kind of seem like why is everyone fighting about everything? Well, that's not a why question. It's a what? Dependent origination that is misunderstood and is personified or personalized by each person. When an emotion or a feeling or a thought arises in your mind stream, that does not belong to you. That is not your or yours. There is no ownership there. This is why the whole system that we have of blame and someone who gets in trouble, misunderstands, uh, operates out of fear, commits a crime, we lock them up. We don't help them. We punish them. It's like the same way we tend to raise children. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Complete horrid, horrid, horrible misunderstanding that leads to what? More chaos, more more criminals. Uh, we've got those all put in a box. More. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're saying that uh, like when we maintain something, we're actually fighting whatever is showing up. So like in Junchu's example where, you know, the laundry needs to be done, we're trying to maintain a house. What's your question? My question is, how do we, is it an attitude that we need to take to the laundry, for example, when we're fighting the fact that we hate to do laundry and yet it needs to be done? Well, that's very specific. So, would you like me to do the laundry for you? <laughs> I'm thinking about the same thing when you say sit more. Yes. And it's already difficult to get to the cushion. I'll do your laundry. You sit. <laughs> I, I, I'm following. I don't mean to make light of what you're saying. It's it's very valid. Can you can you paraphrase yourself, which will give us both a different angle on what it is you want to know. You do that. How do we not fight? Watch the fighting. Don't go to war with war. And that's kind of a little slogan that shows up over here occasionally. Just receive the war. If, if there's warfare coming in your mind, it needs to be there. Instead of saying, I got to stop fighting with that. You're just, you're just, you might as well be pedaling a bicycle. Pedal, I gotta stop. Here it comes again. I gotta stop. 
I gotta stop. And you're actually cr creating the circularity yourself. Just be at war. It will not feel good. It may feel disappointing. More? What is the difference between discipline and not maintaining? So the way I talk about discipline is, uh, is that it is awareness of forms that are coming and going rather than clamping down on one and making it be that way. Just like in this monastery, we have forms. They're very, very definite. And I encourage everybody to not only follow the forms, but uh, if you can't, then you at least observe that there's a form. And then all you have to do is with one of the people who are like, you're the Shuso here and just let the Shuso know, can't, can't come to that form. I'll have to, I didn't get, get enough sleep. We don't come back and say, well, why didn't you get enough sleep? Are you sure you didn't get enough sleep? We don't, we trust people to express themselves where they're at. We don't, I don't know what it's like to be you or anyone in here, but I know what this is like. And so I know that I do the best that I can, uh, but I'm not particularly disciplined uh, in a natural way like some people are. Some people really take to these forms and really want that shape of their life so they can practice more, they can sit more, they can study the Dharma, they can study with a community that that has a commonality of being very interested in what the Buddha taught down through the centuries, through all of the lineage holders, uh, up to and including, including the, the present holders of the Dharma. And so it's about observing those. As my teacher, Kobenjina Roshi, told me, it's not about taking precepts, it's about observing them. And observing them might be part of it, seeing like you can't quite do that, maintain. You don't have to maintain, just return to it. Return to the vow. Return to the vow to be with all things. You can't maintain be with all things. It's impossible. It's a really irritating to try to do that and look and see it. Am I... If anybody comes to me, anybody who is a meditator, is a student of mine, comes to me and says, how am I doing? And just about everybody does. I say, good, doing fine, keep going, keep going. Because I'm not in any position to evaluate that, even though I might see where you're having a lot of trouble or where, where you don't seem to be, shall we say, observing the form by actually doing the form. I don't know what it's like to be you, but I have great respect for your confusion and for your clarity would be my way of talking about how I work with students. I respect you. That doesn't mean I'm not going to yell at you. I might, but I don't plan anything. So sometimes I'm quite surprised at the people I do yell at. <laughs> I don't I haven't yelled at anybody, have I? People are getting more upset with me because I'm getting more and more grouchy. Well, wait till you get in your 80s. See what it's like. <laughs> not easy. Shisho, you have a question? I'll get back to you if you have more. Ishwaring, uh, along the same lines, when you say don't maintain, do you mean not ascribe continuity to anything? Uh, you could say it that way. I'm not surprised that comes from you. But yes, exactly, precisely, and indefinitely. <laughs> We can use all of the words we have for all these things. It makes it look like everything has a different shape. But that's the illusion. Nothing is separate from anything else. There are no separate shapes. It's an astonishing illusion that if you awaken from it, doesn't mean the, the difficulty or the challenge or the suffering suddenly backs off and you're living in some kind of a heaven realms where everything is uh, uh, unicorns and box turtles. But you're actually you have an understanding that goes beyond the grasping, the rejecting, and the shutting down. And it's completely delightful to be here, to be alive. At the same time you're suffering. At the same time. Not two. Not one. Go ahead, Chisho. Chisho, is ego the... Does ego... Or is ego the only thing that provides continuity to anything? Bye. Well, it certainly is heavily at work uh, with the illusion that will support ego, either in the negative or in the positive sense of getting ahead, being successful, being smart, being handsome, being attractive, making your way, living in, a, in, a, in, a, in an island paradise or whatever it may be. 
uh, but it also su supports that in terms of negativity of being wrong, of being harmed, of being hurt. You're the one that was not treated well. You're the one who who was uh, um, not respected or, or was controlled or ha ha did this or did this and, and was thrown in prison because there's no real uh, kindness or respect in society in general. There's the illusion of that to some extent. More, Chisho? Yeah, I was just wondering if it's it's only ego that provides a continuity, whereas nothing is continuous. Everything is changing all the time, and it is. You could say it that way. That that which has continuity, uh, which is a, a basic definition of the of the, the vajrana or tantra, the adamantine indestructible vehicle, because nothing happens there. But the illusion of things occurring and showing up and going away, very, very powerful. And so, but basically, as His Holiness Karmapa said just before he passed away, nothing happens. So he laid it right on, he gave us all ultimate teaching, right? Nothing happens. That doesn't mean that you won't think that this is coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. You'll chase after this and run away from that, providing a, a really, really intense uh, double feature right in your own hometown. Susan, don't you have a question? Come on, kick it up. No, she's gonna run away. I have one right here bowing. Um, this might be a difficult question to answer, but I was wondering why are beings born to believe that they have a mind rather than just thoughts. This seems to cause a lot of suffering. Um, I thought, why not be born knowing, you know, oh, there's no mind and, and I have thoughts. Bang. Yeah, I, I just think it's a matter of, of uh, dependent origination, uh, uh, grasping at this uh, through three poisons of pushing, pulling, shutting down and, and hoping for one thing and fear of something else. It's just a, uh, it's just quite a mess from the point of view of, of trying to sell, get anything to settle down. So I, I don't know if we can come back and find a first cause for what you're talking about, but you, mm. can, but you can find this personally if you practice and train your mind. You have to do a lot of it. You can't just be um, meditate once in a while. And it's also important to meditate with the eyes open. If you close your eyes, you might as well be going to sleep because that's what you're simulating. Okay. Um you saw right through me that I'm trying to find the first cause because I think uh, if I find uh, the mind, then you can push and pull on the right thing, you know, and you can do good. But I might be better off just finding it myself. Good luck. Thank you. Susan Bowing. Susan Bowing. So, because so I always hear you say, sit down, hold still. I've never heard you say, stand up, hold still, or lie down, hold still. So, what is it about sitting? that's so special, bowing? Uh, I don't know what's so special about laying down or standing up. I mean, there are different positions. You could stand up and hold still. Uh, some people if they have a lot of uh, uh, back trouble or something, and that's a better position. I have people that do that somewhat. Uh, I, laying down or lying down uh, is more, it's more like getting ready to fall asleep or something. So. But if a person can uh, sit or lay down very symmetrical and hold very, very still and look at the ceiling, uh, I, I would think uh, that that would be probably workable. I don't know. I think it would be better to sit up and that way you actually have to have some energy into the situation of holding a posture where your back is straight. Um, that, that seems to be more like an active kind of uh, engaging with the body that is endeavoring to sit still. Um, I, I, could probably do a lot of conjecture around that. Um, I have I have one or two, maybe two, at least two, maybe three people who, because of their chronic condition, uh, really need to lay down. They, they might start sitting up and then, then I've said, yes, go ahead and lay down if you need to. Sit up a little bit, but then go ahead and lay down, keep your eyes open and, uh, and watch what comes and goes in the mind stream. 
Go ahead, Susan. You have something else? Okay. Is there are there any other any other questions anywhere? Or yes, go ahead. James, I'm dying. If the warfare appears to maintain itself, is there anything else to see or do other than just receive it? The way you're asking it, I would say just just watch, just receive, watch it come and go, come and go, rather than try to stop it. It's always about awareness, never about accomplishing, having so much great discipline that you've stopped being mad or you've stopped this or stopped having extraneous thoughts about this or that. So just just observe it. And it will, in the words of Chungpa Rinpoche, uh, it's like walking on a little shoe. It eventually just wears out. It's because you don't you don't do anything, but you just it's just there. It's just there. It's just there. And it, if you don't fuel it, with passion, you don't destroy it or try to destroy it or fight with it with aggression, and you don't ignore it so that it it has its own karmic uh, spinning that continues and continues and continues. You actually watch it, like watching a Ferris wheel, somewhat more. What does it look like to actually receive or observe something that appears to be repetitive and maintaining itself? What is it like? If you do it enough and you don't add, and that's a uh, passion, explaining it, judging it, evaluating it, blaming someone for it, blaming yourself, doing it, leaving what is moving for what you think it is, <clears throat> or interpreting it or elaborating on it. You don't do that. And if you don't, when it's the same thing, if you observe that and you don't fight with it, try to get rid of it, um, complain about it, do anything in response to it. In other words, you. <clears throat> you just receive it. You don't cover it up with your ideas, your opinions, your judgments, your laminations, your plywood. You don't protect yourself from it. You're vulnerable to everything that shows up on your on the doorstep of your mind. You receive. You receive. You don't modify or change or change the shape of it so it's easier to receive it. You just receive it just like it is. You, you eat it. And you don't turn away distract yourself from that doorway of the mind where everything is showing up. You don't go into something else and generate out of dependent origination something that's more interesting, like like TikTok in the mind or something like that. Just anything to keep you from looking at what this mind is. If you don't do any of that, eventually, uh, when I say eventually, it's that's a relative word that I need to use here. Um, you won't see anything. Nothing happens. All the occurrences might still be triggering pain. You might still have pain, but nobody's having the pain. If no one is having the pain, it might be more excruciating because at least if there's somebody there, they've got a jabber walking going on. Well, I wouldn't feel this way if she didn't, he didn't, they didn't, but I, I'm going ahead. I'm going to go ahead and take this. You know, even though I can handle it, I know I'm, I was being blamed. So it could be more painful, but that pain is dependently risen. We don't take it personally. You don't take it. You don't take it personally because you've been watching yourself jump on it, jump off, jump on, jump off through the sitting practice of meditation. And eventually, over time, it's bound to happen. You just stop doing stuff. You get worn out constantly trying to correct, fix, change, modify, trying to be happy in the midst of a, a fire pit. It's very frustrating. And finally, just let it burn. <clears throat> it is not masochism. It is not uh, not any kind of ism. Uh, it, but it is one thing that the Buddha pointed out. It is suffering. And it is caused by wanting to not be in the suffering. You want to be somewhere else, have something else. So it has been called a nihilistic religion. I wouldn't say that. I think that's a misunderstanding. Complete misunderstanding. It is a a religion that is point at the ultimate nature of consciousness. Whether it's a human form or a raccoon or, or a, a, a group of uh, carpenter ants. It doesn't matter. It's consciousness. Consciousness, consciousness. And it has to be seen. And the, the, all the chaos that you may go through or, or Andy or Mosaglu or anybody, any of us may go through is your own personal um, labyrinth of causes and conditions and sometimes it's sometimes it looks like some of us has been dealt a pretty difficult hand 
But if you're in this group, you're in a position where you actually can, there's a possibility, there's no guarantee, there's a possibility that you might be able to realize your true nature. Have I done that? It doesn't matter if I've done it. It matters if you do it. I'm only here, I'm only, whatever's left of me is only here to encourage you. And it may not look like I'm doing that. It may, may look like I'm kicking you in the shins. I'm sure you feel that way occasionally. Chisho, I'll get you in a minute. So if we are truly receiving, uh, is there then a reduced tendency to get off the cushion and walk around and come back? Right. But that could happen. I, I, there's no guarantee of it. There's no uh, tit for tat happening there. So, but it, but it could happen. You you know, in your particular style, you uh, you you're fairly uh, have a cla in the classical sense. You're a fairly disciplined person. So you, if there's a form, you use the form. That's how. But my uh, observation of how you work with it. Are you asking about something else or? Kishwaring, yeah, you know, I was just wondering in what you're responding to Jiyuzan, that say I'm just receiving and there is a tendency for, you know, okay, I don't want to do this. I want to go look at my computer or I want to take a walk or I want to look at the, look outside and then come back. Yes. Is that, does that tendency tend to reduce if I'm truly receiving, because I guess when I'm receiving, even if it's a leg pain or back pain or something, it'll just be something I'm receiving, isn't it? Uh, is there a need to react to it then? But No. And if I'm following you, uh, I would say that the more you practice, the more you, you'll practice. You'll, you'll just, it, it'll, it'll be, you'll have some kind of understanding even under the the, the underlayment of thoughts and emotions and opinions and, and all those uh, psychological conditions that have been around since you were born, that some of that, the consciousness begins to have a deeper understanding. So therefore, you're, you're willing to uh, accommodate the negativity that arises in the mind because, because you understand something deeper that is beyond the personhood. And that's, that's what's, that, that is what eventually, to use another, um, uh, common relative statement. That's what eventually starts to show through. You, the, the reality of the sky starts to show through, show right through the clouds. And that doesn't come or go. That, that's uh, the, the nature of the sky is, it's not a thing. I mean, it might be filled up with things, including its blueness, which is what a reflection of the ocean or something. I don't know what it is. You're the chemist. You tell me what it is. <laughs> But but colors and those are illusory. Just like a rainbow is a, it is an amazing uh, illusion that that has to do with the, the nature of light. It's just uh, amazing. But it's uh, and is it unreal? Yes, it's unreal. But it has a manifestation. Very very similar to the things that arise in the mind. They're unreal, yet they show up. They're vividly unreal in emptiness. And so we can we can uh, in the midst of a chaotic world and chaotic uh, kitchen table or driveway or over the next the neighbor's fence or we can train our mind to see clearly and not create further chaos in the world but the world may not show up your relationships may not show up your job your society may be very very challenging go ahead Chisho. just a personal question uh, for example in the last week when you were at the retreat whenever you were there in the seat uh, say for the morning sit or something, you didn't get up, did you? <laughs> well, I eventually got up because, uh, you know, nature calls. And nature really helps out old people by calling. So, but during the, during a much longer set was the Ango last February. And I, I, I think I managed to, when I say managed, I, I didn't do it because of an act of will. It's just like, it could be more lazy. I'm sitting down. It's a lot harder to walk. <laughs> I just stay here. But it's not about some kind of discipline. I don't, I am not in the classical sense, like possibly you are, there's several other people. Jiuzan is also able to sit for long periods. Other people, Ondo sits for long periods. Uh, and, and there's other people, I don't mean to leave anybody out because, but there are people who can uh, 
just sit still for long periods of time. I am not one of those people uh, so much. Wouldn't think of myself that way. It's just that uh, been doing it a long time, so it's maybe maybe uh, more more ordinary for me. I don't know. Sir, Susan, did you were you raising your Susan Dowling? So, Sokazan, it seems like you have this enormous amount of patience. Do you, do you think we really understand all of what you're talking about, Bowling? Of course. Why would you keep coming back here if you didn't understand? Of course you understand. That's why I often say, what do you mean? Because I want to hear what I just said. And you'll tell me by the question, I understand what you thought I said. I don't even understand what I'm saying. When I say that, I, I mean that it's, it's there's something that occurs that is that is without a self, without an other, and it's true of everyone. You have to realize, you have to see that you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to be different. You don't have to be a special person. You already are not separate from the Buddha. I'm here. I'm here to teach you that, to encourage you to look at it and not give up. No matter what, no matter what happens, have to keep going. If you use some incident or some event to turn and go another way away from the Dharma, not a good idea. You don't have to believe any of this stuff. Just listen to it. Just smell it, taste it, hear it, smell it. I said that. Think it. Feel it. Feel this. But I don't, I'm not particularly patient, I don't think. Unless you think I am. <laughs> I'll take that. Am I patient? Incredible. I'm incredibly patient. Am I patient? Just because I put up with you? <laughs> Eric, my patient. Eric gave me the, the Sokokoji Mudra, which is... No, it's not. I'm not, I'm not really putting up with anything. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not... I'm not saying that it couldn't be, show up as, as patience as you practice the paramitas. But my way of saying, just don't do anything unless you have to. If you don't have to do anything, you're going to appear quite patient. Susan, does Michael have any more questions for me? <laughs> Susan Bowling, do you have any more questions? Mike, he's engaged in his work. But, oh. but Sogazan, let me ask you this. You, you know, you keep, you, you, you give us the same message and we ask you the same questions. There's, it's like a kind of groundhog day, but we never quite get it. Who will? Just keep keep looking at it. This is as I've said a few times. I spent over three decades before us. I don't know. Nothing happened particularly, but I, I just stopped closing things off. So it, it wasn't an actual occurrence that I, at least that I know of. I don't remember it, but that that caused me to begin to teach. I guess that's what you, I call myself a Dharma teacher. Dharma means the truth. And that's what it looks like. I'm looking at that, so I don't have to think things up. But this doesn't mean that I'm somehow free of the first noble truth, free of suffering. The suffering is can be very intense in this old man. Not only the pain of pain, the pain of alienation, the pain of the composite are all, uh, have my attention. Is there a final question either in here? Christine Bowing. Let's go ahead, Christine. Uh, it's not a question so much as a dilemma. I'm hoping you can help me with. I have a caterpillar in my bathroom. Yes. I see it as potentially two things. Yeah. If I put it, if I put it outside, it's cold here in the Northeast. It might not make it. Should I just do nothing? Bowing. What did the caterpillar say? I couldn't quite understand with my baby baby finger what he was saying, okay. but I think just leave him alone. Yeah. Well, he's in your bathtub, right? A little corner of the wall. Corner oh. of the wall. Well, I don't know why. Uh, is it? Do you know what kind it is? What color is it? 
Um, beige. Beige. So let me check uh, Caterpillar experts. Well, you know about bugs, don't you? I don't know about a beige caterpillar. Does anyone know about beige colored caterpillars? No, no one knows. So I, I think, uh, I don't think that's, wait a minute, says Jen Ziegler says, put him in a plant. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay. Yeah, I, just like. Thank you. Don't you have several poison ivy plants? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you, you could put put him on a plant and then let him decide. I mean, it's uh, assuming it's a him. It, it was a serious question. I was really. Uh, it, I, it, mind boggled what to do well, i usually if i find a bug if i can i i kill bugs sometimes they're bothersome i just you know it's your like the trunk for mpj once said at the the retreat center uh, that i went as i think it was 1975 and in the rocky mountain dharma center there was flies everywhere in the kitchen where people make food and uh and were eating in the, the meditation hall and people are, and there's outhouses out there and everything. And, uh, uh, people said, uh, sometimes people would even go, you know, in, in, right in the, in the shrine room or the, we're told, don't, don't kill, don't kill bugs. It's pretty confusing of bugs driving you nuts. Uh, and you don't get to get rid of it, but he, he had them put up a fly. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of silly. It did at the time he had people put up fly paper. And then he says that it's their choice. <laughs> and he meant that. He would say, well, put that up in that way. It's their choice. Well, I said somebody had to go out and buy those fly strips. Somebody had to hang them up. So I have a feeling that somebody's karma was totally destroyed. <laughs> Perhaps. But anyway, you could you could you could take I, I don't think there's a right or wrong to that. It's just the idea that you're concerned about uh, that uh, little form of consciousness. I would think putting them on a plant, like Jen was saying, it sounds like a, a good idea. Or take them outside and he probably knows more about climate change than you do. Very good. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Sokuren and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokokoji.org. Thank you.